It is the Lockdown Bengals Podcast with your hosts, Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. I know you probably want us to talk about Joe Burrow and the latest drama on social media. I don't even know what it is today. I just know that more people are talking about it, and I, I just can't. I, I, I'll get back to it next week. We, we can't talk about this stuff every day because it's the same stuff every day, and it's the same talking points. And so maybe we'll talk about it once a week, right? Or maybe we'll talk about it if something actually material happens and changes. But man, I, I, I don't, I don't want to talk about it anymore. The only thing I will talk about here is that Chad Johnson tweeted yesterday that he's going to have dinner with Joe Burrow prior to the draft to let him know that he's in great hands in Cincinnati because that city rocks and everyone will love you. And Joe Burrow favorited that tweet. So hey. That's uh, news, right? I mean, it's, as much as anything else about this Joe Burrow stuff has been news, that's news. So with that rant out of the way a little bit, we're going to get into the Bengals' interior defensive line position outlook for this offseason in the 2020 season, where really re-signing their own guys is a priority, especially for the nose tackle position. And Geno Atkins on the wrong side of 30, still a very good player, but... They need another three-tech anyway, and Rennell Rem might be that guy. He might not be. So I think there's some questions there, but we'll get into that. And then going through the South divisions, Joe covering the AFC South teams that didn't make the playoffs, and then I'll get into the NFC South teams that did not make the playoffs and review their free agents for targets for the last segment of the show. But first, let's get into this defensive interior stuff, and then we'll get into some free agents. The Bengals have one significant unrestricted free agent on the defensive interior, and that is Andrew Billings. He's just 25 years old, has been a steady force for the Bengals at nose tackle, and he really is a nose tackle, not offering a ton in the pass rush, but he's better out there than Demata Pecco really was in his career by comparison. He is an absolutely massive human being, just 6'1", but 325 pounds, and at that height and weight combination, ran a 5.05 40-yard dash back in his combine as a very young man in 2016, now four years ago. So Billings, just 25 years old, has some upside left, but he's always been limited by his short wingspan and generally small stature for a defensive interior player. Doesn't have the flexibility, but for his size, is a fairly good athlete. Just doesn't have the change of direction skills that a guy or the burst that a guy like Geno Atkins has. But incredibly strong, good in run defense. Had 18 defensive stops last year to go along with 19 total pressures. Pretty good numbers for just 657 snaps as he was limited to playing in some of the nickel, but mostly in the Bengals' base package. So as Joe talked about yesterday, the Bengals going to that 3-4 or 5-2 front, however you want to phrase it, 
Andrew Billings playing one of those defensive interior positions. He's coming off the field in obvious passing situations, but when it's not an obvious passing situation, he is a versatile player and has had two solidly above average seasons. According to PFF, he shouldn't break the bank. And I hope the Bengals try to retain him, but Another guy for the Bengals on the defensive interior who is a very pleasant surprise at 26 years old is Josh Tupo, who is a restrictive free agent. And I expect that they will give him a fairly decent restrictive free agent tender to not lose him for nothing. He was an undrafted free agent in 2017, which means an original round tender doesn't provide any protection for the Bengals. It does give them the right of first refusal so they can match but I wouldn't be surprised at all to see the Bengals put a second round tender on Josh Tupo. That is a $3 million cap hit. It's a one-year contract. Tupo was really good last year, though. Had the highlight reel play of the defense for me of the year where he tackled Lamar Jackson in the open field one-on-one. And for a man his size, a true nose tackle to do that, that's incredibly impressive. But that second round tender means if another team really wants him, which I don't think another team is going to touch him if it means they have to give up their second round pick. But if another team wanted to sign him away from the Bengals, they would also have to give the Bengals a second round draft pick. So Tupo, 25 years old, still a young guy, 26 in the 2020 season has a lot to offer. I really hope that the Bengals prioritize bringing him back and protecting him because he's a big part of this team's strength at the defensive interior position on rundowns where he was a very good run defender in the 2020 season. In fact, according to PFF, he was the Bengals' fourth best defensive player last year. He only had 465 snaps but had a great run defense grade, a really good tackling grade. Doesn't really offer anything as a pass rusher, but as a guy who's going to be out there on rundowns in your base defense. So again, I wouldn't expect much more than five, 550 snaps. He is a guy that could be very valuable for this defense going forward, especially if they don't keep Andrew Billings. It's kind of a choice between one of those two guys. The other big guy for the Bengals inside, obviously Geno Atkins. You don't need to know much about him because you already do. He is a premier pass rusher starting to fall off a little bit on the wrong side of 30, but still a very good player on that defensive interior. And then last year, the Bengals went out and drafted Rennell Wren, who got 154 snaps, but showed some flashes late in the season of improvement of some consistency. So he's going to be a wild card to see if he takes a step in year two. And then as we talked about Andrew Brown yesterday on the edge, he's a guy that could be a nickel pass rusher aside Geno Atkins as well but really they do have a need here for another three technique player because Ryan Glasgow coming off a second straight season of injury isn't really a true three tech anyway so finding another player who can back up Atkins and provide a little bit of a pass rush inside when he needs a break is probably an important priority for this team headed into the 2020 season. So that's it for the defensive interior. We're going to get into those free agents in the Southern Divisions, starting with the AFC South and Joe, finishing with the AFC South and me. We'll get into all that here in just a minute. Want to go see your Cincinnati Reds this spring during spring training? Well, Arizona is a great place to go, not only see baseball, but to see everything else. And if you go down there and go down for the Cactus League, they've got 10 stadiums, 15 MLB teams, 75 degree temperatures. All 10 stadiums are in the greater Phoenix area within 50 miles. Yeah, you can go down and see your Reds in Goodyear Park down there. Or maybe we've talked about it before. You're into the craft beer. They've got four peaks 
Angel's Trumpet Ale House, Goldwater Brewing Company, all known for great beer. Or maybe you're into hiking. Maybe you want to get out in the desert for the numerous national parks down there. Go up to the Grand Canyon. And if you do the canyon, make sure you bring enough water because it's the way back. Unlike most hikes, that's challenging. It's easy going down, hard coming up. Kind of the opposite of the Bengals. We had a hard time with this bad year and we're going to come up next year. So go on down to Arizona. Take yourself a little spring break. Plan your getaway at visitarizona.com slash spring training. If you've been a listener of the Lockdown Bengals podcast, you've heard the great advertisers like Abco Safety, Tourism Arizona, and the Epic Hotel down in Miami who have worked with us to reach Bengals fans. We are a great way for you to reach out and get in touch with local podcast listeners. Our local Locked On podcast listeners, predominantly a male audience, well-educated, and most importantly, they have disposable income money to spend. So if you want to connect with Bengals fans to come make some purchases from your local business, we have an opportunity right now for you. Text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Locked On advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you. Looks like I have the next group of teams, and that means we're moving to the AFC South, where two teams made the playoffs this year in the Titans and the Texans. We've already reviewed their free agents. We've got a couple players from each team there. And we're going to start with the Colts, who won the division last year. or Is it last year now, or is that two years ago now? Either way, in 2018 they won it. They have a few players that are interesting. Left tackle Anthony Costanzo. Uh, last I read was mulling retirement, so I don't know if that's still a case, but he's a free agent, but will be 32 this next year. I think he's probably out of the range, even though he's still a good tackle. He definitely would beat out uh, Bobby Hart on the right side. The interesting guy they have, I think, league-wide is Eric Ebron. He's still 26. He'll be 27 next year. Uh, coming off two solid years, especially two years ago when he had Andrew Luck, I think he rejuvenated what people... Th- think about him as a former high draft pick he's probably uh in favor of a lot of teams now again and and probably will be picked up to a decent deal if you hear any vibrations in the background there is a huge helicopter flying around we live close to an air base so there's not much i can do about that in my limited time of recording but i'm gonna keep going so eric ebron i don't think the Bengals will be in on that at all i just don't think they value uh tight end in this offense at least not enough to go against one of those guys or go for one of those guys Uh, Joe Hag is a guy I talked about on Twitter. He's going to be 27. Um, Didn't play this past year, but in the last two years, 1,200 snaps of decent play at guard. Could be a guy that comes in and competes uh, for the position or or with Michael Jordan or maybe John Miller. You know, it kind of depends on what they want to do at that guard position. One guy that I liked four years ago when the Colts signed him, Jabal Sheard, now is 31. Man, where does the time go? Um, you know, it's just, you see it and it's like, man, guys like this are already 31 years old. You see their play start to dip. Like I'm looking at PFF, right? And he's got an 85 in 2017 and then a 70 in 2018 and then a 61 in 2019. And you're just like, yeah, that might just be the end 
for Jabal Sheard. And really, there's not too much to look at besides that. I think LaRaven Clark, who is a big mauling-type tackle, he's been a backup tackle for a long time in this league, didn't play in 2019, but he'll be uh, 27 years old. He played about 700 snaps the past two years before 2019, so 18 and 17. Um, the Ravens really don't... I'm sorry, the Ravens, because he's... The Raven Clark, that's why I'm thinking of it, but the Colts really don't have too many guys that I'd be interested in other than Joe Hegg, and I guess that's a Tier 3? Yeah, probably because he only played 73 snaps last year. He's probably a Tier 3 uh, addition and and probably not somebody we're, we're concerned about. But if we move on, I think the Jaguars, that's the next team, Jacksonville Jaguars, are in a interesting situation, right? If you look back a few years ago, they were in the in the playoffs going against the, yeah, it was the Patriots. That was the AFC Championship game with Blake Bortles. And then everything kind of went downhill from there. That was like their peak chance. The defense was really, really good. Uh, since then, I think they're trying to figure out their way at quarterback again. They signed Nick Foles last year, and then they find... Um, Gardner Minshew on day three and now is he the guy he had a solid rookie year he was fun at least a fan favorite I think they may go with him and still draft somebody it'll be interesting to see what they do but because of that limbo they're in where they're not really going for a win and yet not yet you know really resetting the table do they pay a Yannick Ngakwe who's not even 25 years old yet an edge defender one of the best pass rushers in the league he's going to get like 20 million dollars a year now I don't think the Bengals are going to go for it anything like that. I mean, a 25-year-old getting a, a premium contract, probably getting, oh yeah, over the cap's got him at nearly $60 million guaranteed, which is double what the Bengals have ever given out. So I don't think that's happening at all. I wouldn't even think of uh, Yannick Ngakwe as a potential candidate, but that's their big one. That's their big free agent. I wonder, you know, every time I see like him on Twitter or anything, he's He's saying like it's already a done deal. He's gone. He's not coming back to the Jags, or maybe they're not willing to pay him. He's going to change some defense for whoever goes out and signs him and wants a premium edge rusher. Then um, that's funny. The next guy on this list is Cedric Oboehi with uh, just 156 snaps last year. Actually graded out the best he has in his career. He's not even 28 years old yet. That should be his prime, man. He should be in his prime right now for the Bengals. Played 700 snaps for Cincinnati in 2017, then just 54 in 2018, and then 156 in 2019. Not even 28 years old yet. So anyway, uh, they really don't have too many other players that would interest us. There's one other guy, I think, and I said this to Jake, that maybe the Bengals want to give a, a veteran tight end the number three spot. And that's because they didn't get it, get to see enough out of Drew Sample. Oh, excuse my phone there. I meant to mute it. But they didn't get to see enough of Drew Sample last year. And I think they would have felt more comfortable had he have had way more snaps, right? You, you get him out there for 400 snaps or so, and you can say, well, we don't need a veteran. We can let Eifert go. It can be Uzama and Sample. But because they didn't, they may look for someone like that. And Seth DeValve is a veteran free agent tight end, and he's only 27 years old. Um, the last three years here, he's got about a thousand snaps just shy under his belt. So he's always been a backup type tight end, but a pretty solid guy. They, they've got another tight end, and Ben Koyak. I want to say Ben Koyak was from Notre Dame. I might be wrong on that. I'm just, I'm not going to look it up, actually. I just want to let my brain do all the work here and, and try and remember. But Koyak also, th- 
just shy of 300 snaps this past year, 110 in, in 2018, and then 470 in 2017, 27 years old, and then Nick O'Leary. So they got three depth tight ends here, 27 years old for Nick O'Leary. Um, I think Nick O'Leary, yes, that's right, 320 snaps last year, 370 the year before, and 600 in 2017. Former Buffalo Bill, former Florida State for the Jags, a bunch of backup tight ends and some other I don't know if he. This is like wave four guys, like Carl Davis and Akeem Spence, defensive interior guys that have been rotational pieces. Twenty-seven, twenty-eight years old. It's funny as I just scrolled down. Preston Brown's on the Jaguars right now. He did he leave the Raiders? Did he get cut from the Raiders and then sign with the Jags in the offseason? Good God, he's only twenty-seven years old. Preston Brown, get yourself together, man. You could still play in this league. All right, so that'll do it for. Um, the Jags and the Colts, free agents and potential targets. I'm not, there's not one even wave two guy or tier two guy. There's a tier three guy, Joe Hag. That's about it. I mean, they have Yannick Ngakwe, a tier one blue chip star guy, but not for the Bengals. We're not interested in that. At least I wouldn't be against it, but obviously that's not where we're going with this AFC South group. We don't have too many players listed total. So that's it for this uh, division. We're almost almost done. A few more teams left, a few more divisions left. And we're starting to get a decent list here. I'm, something I think we'll spend a whole episode on reviewing that list uh, once we get there. Hopefully right before free agency starts mid-March. All right, finishing up the Southern Divisions in the NFL, it is time to get into the AFC South. And I'm going to start with the Atlanta Falcons. There are three non-playoff teams in the AFC South, which means we've talked about the Saints. And the Falcons, the first guy on the list, I'm going through PFF's list as I do because they have in one place the grades for these players, the age, and the projected contracts from over the cap. The first guy on their list is Austin Hooper. He's a tight end projected to get $10 million per year. We talked about the tight ends in our position review last week, and it is just not a fit for Austin Hooper or the Bengals to spend a lot of money on a top-end tight end. Although Joe did mention maybe on the back end where there's maybe a tenuous hold for Drew Sample, they could use some competition there. The next guy on the list is Adrian Claiborne, and he's a 32-year-old edge defender. He has been playing less and less snaps as years go on, but in a situational role, depending on how much money is in play for Claiborne, that's a guy that could be a really solid bench piece for the Bengals. He made just $2 million this year, last year, I guess I should say, for the Falcons. And if you could bring him in for something like that for a year, he was still good this year. Still productive player, grading out at 71.7. That's solidly above average. Hasn't been great since 2017. But if you're talking about getting him some rotational snaps in there, especially with the injuries they've had on the defensive line, Claiborne is a really nice piece, and I think he gives you the flexibility to kick inside as well. 280 pounds, 6'3", and didn't play a ton inside for Atlanta, but did play at least about 100 of his snaps, 25%, at least aligned from the guard or in. So there is some of that in his repertoire. He also stood up for 70 of his snaps, so he is a little bit of a versatile piece, was a, a late breakout player, wasn't really all that good until his age 28-29 season, so there's probably still a little bit of juice left there with Claiborne, and I wouldn't hate paying him if it is $2 million 
uh, for a one-year deal just for a depth edge piece, I think that would be a nice investment. And while we're on the topic of potential Wave 2, Wave 3 guys, Justin Hardy is a guy who's a fourth-round pick from Eastern Car- East Carolina Sorry, in 2015. He's a free agent this year, hasn't been wildly productive, has a total of 139 targets in his career, but has caught 95 of those. So that means he's catching about 68% of the passes thrown his way, averaging 10 yards per catch. I don't think that there's anything special here, but if you're looking for a depth piece of wide receiver, you could look there. I don't know that he offers the Bengals anything that isn't already on their roster, but it's worth mentioning the name because a lot of people are saying that the Bengals should go after a receiver in the draft. And so if you can sure that up a little bit in free agency, that wouldn't hurt. Good talk about Bleedy Ray Wilson as well. He's 30 years old, cornerback. I don't think there's anything too special here, but the Bengals are looking for depth at corner as they've demonstrated with their creative signings, going to the CFL, going to a guy from waivers. So so there's some potential for them to chase a corner, and that's another third wave kind of kind of target. Early in the year, I was really high on Devondre Campbell. He started out the year very strong for Atlanta before really falling off toward the end of the year. He's 26 years old at linebacker. Has good size, has some good length, really good 40-yard dash back in the combine back in the day. Decent burst, didn't do any of the agility drills, which gives you an idea of where the weakness in his game might be. He, I don't even know if he's worth the flyer anymore. It depends on how much he would cost, right? If you were to bring him in, again, as a, as a guy on the bench, I wouldn't be opposed to that. And I think the name that everybody wants to talk about when they're looking at the Atlanta rosters, what about Vic Beasley? Is that a guy that makes sense as somebody who can, who you can bring in uh, to supplement the edge position? A, a top 10 selection in 2015, he was picked 8th overall and has never, never lived up to that pre-draft billing. He had a decent start to his career, actually. His best two seasons have been his first two seasons, 2015-2016, when he had, between those two years, 98 total pressures, including that 16-sack year. In 2016, when everyone thought, oh yeah, this guy's going to be great. Penalties have been an issue for him, though, which you don't like to see. And the pressure has just totally fallen off a cliff. He had 400 pass rushing snaps this year, just 36 pressures for a PFF grade of 62. So there's some athleticism here. This is a guy that's 245 pounds, runs a 4.53. And again, if you want to sell me on Vic Beasley, you got to take it as... He's got to be a cheap option. It's got to be a post-type sleeper kind of guy. But I think somebody, given his pedigree, given his 2016 season, is going to pay him enough to put him out of the Bengals' price range, especially at edge. I I wouldn't want to spend big money on Vic Beasley because I think that there's a chance that he just is what he is for the last three years, and and that's what you're going to get. I know he's had some injuries in his career. Maybe you can chalk up some of the production to that. But I think once it's three years of subpar or average production, I'm not very interested in spending assets there as a free agent. So on the total for Atlanta, I'm looking at back of the roster kind of guys, backups competing for rotational spots, and that's Adrian Claiborne. And I'd be really interested to see what Devondre Campbell will get if he hits the open market. He's a 26-year-old linebacker, which is pretty young for the position, has that straight line athleticism, and has certainly shown bursts of really good play. Hasn't put it together for a full season yet. So let's move on. Let's look at the Carolina Panthers next. The Panthers 
have an interesting bunch of free agents actually that could be intriguing to the right teams. I'm not sure how many of these are fits with the Bengals necessarily, but one name we're going to talk about is Gerald McCoy, who still played at a pretty high level in his age 31 season. But they've got a new coaching regime in there, and things might get interesting for the Panthers. Their top two free agents for PFF are Trey Boston, who is a pure free safety, and with Jesse Bates on the team, I don't see that being an interesting piece for the Bengals. They need a versatile safety to go along with Jesse Bates, who is not going to do much good for you outside of that true free safety position. Next guy on the list, James Bradbury, a cornerback. He's projected by over the cap to get five years, $13.5 million per year. And he's just PFS 59th graded or ranked overall free agent this year. And I'm not sure where over the cap is getting that projection, but I am not even remotely interested at that price for James Bradbury. This is a guy who is in the Drake Kirkpatrick range of grading and that just doesn't do it for me for that price tag. But Gerald McCoy, the number 64 free agent for PFF, is a guy that the Bengals were interested in last year. He had a one-year deal going into his 32nd year on the planet for 2020, and his play has slowly started falling off the last few years, and he is 32, and that's the same problem you have with Geno Atkins. But if you're going to try to put together a competitive team, you need a guy in the short term, and I don't know if this matches the Bengals, right? Bringing in a rookie quarterback. I don't know if we're looking for a short-term option. Gerald McCoy could be that guy to go in there and put him next to Geno Atkins, let those two guys wreck stuff. They're both still going to be above-average players, or they should be above-average players this year. McCoy got $8 million last year. The Bengals didn't get the deal done, of course, when he was a potential fit for them. He's projected by over the cap to get $9 million. That's a name that if the Bengals are still interested in, if they want to make a a big push in one year, it'll be interesting to see if those names are connected again. Next guy on the list for PFF is Daryl Williams. This is a guy that we talked about last year as a potential free agent target for the Bengals, and it did not work out very well for the Panthers. But he did play the full season, which is important. He's still just 27 years old, one year removed from, well, two years now removed from a really good year at guard in 2017 when he was PFF's 15th overall guard at the NFL. Not as good this year, though. Put up a negative year, a little bit below average. So if you're going for Daryl Williams, he signed a $6 million deal last year. It's going to have to be in that range or a little bit cheaper with the performance that he just had. But at 27 years old, with some success in the background, if anyone thinks that there is the physical tools left, if those aren't diminished from the injuries that he's had, he could be worth a flyer and is a name to keep an eye on. Going through this list further, I I don't know that we're going to see anybody else interesting. Javian Elliott is a corner, 26 and a half years old. I'd be more interested in him, I, I tell you, than James Bradbury, the other corner free agent for Carolina. But I don't know anything about him either. I just see that he's graded better and would be a lot cheaper. He doesn't have the draft pedigree or the hype around him. And the only other guy here that might be a wave two, wave three free agent, a guy that could compete for the guard position for the Bengals would be Greg Van Roten. He is 30 years old for the 2020 season. Finally got a full season of snaps, more or less. Had 704 snaps 
in the 2019 season and graded really well as a pass blocker, did not grade as well as a run blocker. 704 snaps, though, at left guard, and that's the spot where the Bengals still have some question marks. So if he does indeed hit unrestricted free agency, if he doesn't go back to Carolina, it'd be interesting to see if he is the kind of guy the Bengals might go after, very much in the John Miller mold from last year. That's a name that you could potentially keep an eye on if they feel like they want to bring in some competition at the left guard position. All right, last team on the list now. And this is actually a lot more difficult without having Joe to bounce ideas off of. And and he knows these guys better than I do from college because I wasn't paying as much attention as he was like five, six years ago. But Tampa features Jameis Winston as their top free agent, according to PFF. And, and we're not even going to talk about him. But Shaq Barrett, who is a second free agent on this list, for Tampa Bay is a guy that we're going to talk about a little bit because he was a potential fit for the Bengals last year, end up signing a one-year, $4 million deal. It's reported that the Bengals had a two-year deal out there for him that averaged more money than that per year, and they pulled it off. They were worried about his medicals, had another year, this time with the full-time snap load in Tampa of very good production. Of course, the NFL snack sack leader had 20 sacks, 18 hits, 44 hurries. I mean, that's pretty good. Pretty good. He's he's had a lot of years of very good production, and he's going to get a lot of money. I think he'll probably price out of the Bengals' range, and Tampa might franchise him. Projected to get four years, $16.5 million, and I, I don't know that this is as much of a target for 2020 as much as it's just a moment to sit here and reflect and think about this this might go right up there with Warren Sapp in terms of things that are a little bit embarrassing for the Bengals this is a deal that they pulled off the table just like they did with Warren Sapp Sapp said that they gave him an hour to sign a deal and then they pulled the deal and uh, he wasn't very happy about that went on to sign with Oakland that year I believe he played there for the last few years of his career before he went on to the Hall of Fame and he was good He was good for Oakland. He would have been a nice signing for the Bengals back in 2004, but that didn't happen, and neither did Shaq Barrett. And now we're looking on the outside thinking about, well, this guy could have been good for the Bengals, and they might have had him for another year. Not likely to be in the cards for 2020, so maybe there's somebody else on Tampa that looks interesting. Let's see. Well, I only had to scroll down one more name before I found my favorite target on the Tampa Bay Bucks, and that's Brashad Perriman, who hasn't done much in his NFL career, but resurrected his career in Tampa Bay, was very good down the stretch. He's a big guy, really good speed, was the, the, the last man standing, really, for Tampa when they had some really bad injuries at the wide receiver position, and... He had drop issues when he was in Baltimore. You probably remember watching him, not being very worried about what he was doing for them, but he only dropped one pass this year, and this is all from PFF. This is PFF data. Jameis Winston had an above-average or maybe average passer rating throwing his way, but you know Jameis. He likes to throw interceptions, so you can't put all of that on Perriman. This is a risk, right? But this is a guy that I would be very happy to take a flyer on, 26 and a half years old. And let's look at the draft analytics, right? Let's see if this fits the typical post-hype sleeper wide receiver. And I think it does to some degree. He was a breakout age 20 player, which is in the 63rd percentile, was very, very good in terms of his college dominator score, 73rd percentile. 
And his college yards per reception, 21 yards per catch was in the 96th percentile. So all of those things taken together puts together a picture of a guy who, if he's cleaned up his drop issues the way he has in Tampa, is a really interesting guy that if the Bengals wanted to address their outside receiver position, if they're looking at A.J. Green thinking, okay, two years ago, we were moving you into the slot, Rashad Perriman would be a very interesting name for them to look at. And Dominic Sue is the last guy for Tampa on the list of top 100 free agents from PFF. And at 33 years old, he fell off quite a bit last year in Tampa. Not a guy that I would necessarily be interested in because I think he's still going to get paid over the cap projecting him at $9.5 million. Looking through the rest of Tampa's list, this really is a long list of names that could be interesting. Carl Nassib is a guy. He's in... His age, 27 years, third round pick for Cleveland back in 2016. He's now an unrestricted free agent, not offering a ton as a pass rusher, good edge defender out there, average as a pass rusher. Could be an interesting option if the Bengals are looking for another guy to kind of replace Kerry Wynn, be a rotational piece, 275. I don't know how much he would offer you inside, but it's worth a look. DeMar Dotson, 34 years old, continues to put up above average tackle play. There's a lot of risk here because of his age, but if they're looking for a stopgap, and I don't think they are, DeMar Dotson would be a guy that you could certainly look at in his 35th year, 34th year. And then interior defender Bo Allen, he's a role player for Tampa, a guy that got limited snaps but graded out really well in run defense this year. Again, a back-of-the-roster type, and if it's a defensive interior guy who doesn't offer anything as a pass rusher, I don't think the Bengals are interested If Marvin Lewis was still in town, I'd say Kevin Minter, 29-year-old linebacker from LSU, who the Bengals were linked strongly with when he was drafted, could be a target. But Marvin Lewis isn't here anymore. I think Minter passed his prime for his skill set in particular. Not a guy that's going to draw a lot of interest from the Bengals. Could talk about Earl Watford, a guard. Had his best year in quite a while in 2019, 30 years old. Only played 326 snaps, though, so... If you wanted to bring him in for a back-of-the-roster guard to compete, more than happy to see that sort of thing happen. But there aren't any great fits on this team. And Brashad Perriman is a name that I would be really interested in for the Bengals to take a flyer on just because of the speed. And, And the Bengals, I think, need the speed outside. You can't rely on John Ross to be your only speed target, and it would relieve the pressure from going into the draft. Although I would still love to see the Bengals dip in at wide receiver at some point in this historically deep wide receiver draft. But that's going to do it. Prashad Perriman from Tampa Bay is the name I want to end on because that is the most interesting name to me that we've talked about today. And we'll see if any of these guys come together. We're going to do a recap, like Joe said, at some point, probably next week. But we will have a lot of combine stuff to talk about too. Regardless, we'll finish it up then. Tomorrow we'll get into the mailbag. We've been missing that one for a while here, so we'll get back to that tomorrow. And until then, Bengals fans, have a good one.